How's it going, my fellow history scholars? Welcome back to the podcast where we talk about the unanswered questions of history and unravel the mystery of the many questions we ask about our past. Today, I'm your host, and uh, Ian's back here as well. Ian, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about Percy Fawcett today. Yes, we are. He was a famous British archaeologist as well as uh, known for his explorations in the Amazon. And uh, a lot of the actions that he did during World War One really influenced the war as well. So before we begin, as usual, I'd like to remind you guys that you can now actually check our Facebook page and our Twitter page for information on the episodes, as well as to ask questions and stay up to date on information concerning the podcast. We also have a Facebook community page for information and to interact with the podcast. And then uh, we're also developing a Patreon page, which we already have. And then we're also making a Discord server in our Patreon to interact with you guys and have more interaction with the podcast. Don't forget you can show your support for the podcast by donating on Anchor and or our Patreon page, which gives you exclusive access to bonus content as well as more for as little as $3 a month. You can also support us by joining the community page and then sharing any historical information you come across. And then in the end of the episode, we're going to give a a few shout outs to those of you who have liked our page and have been following on our social media platforms. And we thank you for the growth that we've been experiencing. So don't forget to like, follow, comment, and even write a review on any of our platforms as we really appreciate our listener interaction. All right, with all that being said, let's jump right into our episode today. So again, today we're going to be talking about Percy Harrison Fawcett, who was born on August 18th, 1867, and died sometime around 1925. And I say that because they don't know what happened to him. He was a British geographer, an artillery officer, a cartographer, an archaeologist, as well as an explorer of South America. Percy Fawcett ended up disappearing in 1925 during an expedition to find what he called the Lost City of Z. And this was a name for an ancient lost city which he and others believed existed somewhere in the jungles of Brazil. And then, as usual, for this group of miniseries, I'm doing a quote for each one of them. So this is our quote from Percy Fawcett. Deep down inside me, a tiny voice was calling. At first it was scarcely audible, but then it persisted until I could ignore it no longer. It was the voice of those wild places, and I knew that it was now a part of me, forever. All right, let's hop right in. All right, now we're going to get into Percy Fawcett's early life, and Unlike a lot of people's early life, Percy Fawcett had a very colorful background, and it's and it's easy to see how he became an explorer. Uh, Jake, would you care to elaborate? Yeah, so I'll start with the fact that uh, he was born on August 18th in uh, 1867 in Torquay, Devon, England. And then uh, this was his father, Edward Boyd Fawcett, and then his mother was Mere Elizabeth. And so uh, elaborating on the colorful history... You're talking about actually Fawcett received his early education at the Newton Abbott Proprietary College. And actually, Fawcett's father had been born in India, uniquely enough. And then he was also a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society, which was essentially almost like the National Geographic that we have in the United States here today. And then uh, his elder brother, Edward Douglas Fawcett, was a mountain climber and Eastern occultist and the author of philosophical books and many popular adventure novels. So uh, a very colorful beginning there. So it was like a whole family of explorers. 
yeah, in a way, even if they weren't directly uh, explorers themselves, they still had a tie to it. Because, like, even his brother uh, was a mountain climber and uh, wrote several different adventure novels. His father, part of the Royal Geographical Society. So it's easy to understand how Fawcett really got into this uh, got into this field that he would become known for. Uh, exactly. Fawcett ended up attending the Royal Military Academy in Woolwich, where he would eventually go on to work his way up to captain on June 15th, 1897. As an artillery officer, he would go on to serve in remote parts of the world, including Hong Kong, Malta, Turkomale, and Ceylon, or Sri Lanka today. So even after uh, he went to the Royal Military Academy and he started getting a lot of his military training, he was already going to these remote parts of the world and already have already having these crazy adventures, uh, which would eventually lead up to obviously some of the stuff you do in South America. So he's already going on these crazy adventures. Wow. I mean, think about it, especially for Europeans at the time in the late 1800s, the world was still a very, uh, a very, a very curious place to say the least. A lot of it was still unexplored. And so the fact that he was able to get stationed in places like Sri Lanka and Ceylon, or sorry, those are both the same. Uh, Sri Lanka, Malta, Hong Kong, these are very remote places, especially for a European at the time. Uh, so a lot of his early life went into military training, which is which is interesting. Like, did he go to college or did he go to any early schools or did he go straight to military? He went straight to the military, pretty much. And uh, a lot of his early life would actually be surrounded by the military. But uh, he would be uh, he would also have a very colorful military career besides all the expeditions and stuff he would later go on. And uh, actually, he would even meet his future wife, Nina Patterson, in Ceylon. And the, the couple would later marry in January of 1901. And then they would go on to have two sons, Jack and Brian, and then one daughter, Joan. So uh, he would actually even end up meeting his wife as a, as a soldier, going on these different deployments across the world in the British military. And uh, like I said, he would have a very colorful military background before any of his expeditions even began. Wait, he met his wife on uh, when he was deported from the military. I mean, not deported, but uh, <laughs> uh, when he was out uh, in the military. Yeah, when he was deployed, he met his wife in Ceylon. So that's a very uh, exotic place to meet your wife, too. Wow. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, so when he, that's kind of interesting to think about. So he met his wife on a mission in Ceylon. Yeah. And if you don't know where uh, Ceylon or technically modern-day Sri Lanka, it's a little island of India on the south end of India. Oh, wow. And uh, there's a there's an account that he said that out of all the women in Sri Lanka or Ceylon, that she was the most beautiful that he had ever seen. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, there you go. A romantic, too. <laughs> And then uh, kind of continuing with uh, some of his early life, I want to get into some of the stuff that he did in his life as a soldier. Uh, as a soldier, Percy Fawcett would do everything from being a British artilleryman in Sri Lanka, like we were talking about, and even going on a tour of duty during World War I and becoming a top secret spy in Morocco and North Africa. So he traveled the world before he even went down to Brazil and started exploring the Amazon. 
I see what you're talking about when you said he had a colorful military background as well. He's an artilleryman and a top secret spy. Yeah, could you imagine? I mean, a lot of people would retire after that point in their lives, but then he goes on to do stuff that uh, is even more crazy and eventually you'd be known for. Wow. Like what? What did he, what did he end up doing? Well, for one, he ended up serving uh, for the war office on Spike Island in County Cork from 1903 to 1906. And uh, he was promoted to a major on January 11th, 1905, during that same time. So uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where Spike Island is, but uh, that's one of the things he would have. He, he works his way up, essentially. He goes on a, a ton and ton and ton and different deployments. And because of it, he eventually works his way up through the military. And he actually he makes himself a very prestigious man in the British military. I mean, yeah, he was already a captain before, and now he's working up even further. And then like a lot of people don't get past captain. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a long road through the ranks. Uh, and then Lieutenant Colonel Percy Fawcett, as his technical title would later become, he ended up serving in World War One, and then he was also mentioned three times in dispatches for gallantry and distinguished services in the field. So because of all these different places he was deployed to and because of how well he did during the war, he would also go on to receive the British War Medal, the Victory Medal, and then the DSO, which is the Distinguished Service Order. So he, uh, he ended up receiving three different prestigious awards for all these different deployments and the actions he took. Wow. But almost like a, almost like a mini Thomas Edward Lawrence, because uh, we look back on him. I, I almost see these two as opposite because Lawrence of Arabia spent most of his life in the military. And then a little time as an archeologist where uh, Percy Fosbet spends a little time in the military and then a lot of time as an archeologist. But then they're both they, they're both alive during the same time. And then uh, supposedly even uh, Percy Fawcett ended up turning down Lawrence of Arabia for one of his expeditions, which I find pretty funny. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So they even knew each other. Yep. Or at least he was a distant name that uh, he ended up turning down. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So after all of this stuff and uh, after his all all of his military life, he would eventually go on to transfer to a very he would eventually go on to transfer very well to the expeditions and created a reputation with the Royal Geographical Society, which obviously we talked about his father belonged to. And then with these connections, it would actually eventually help him to go on to make amazing discoveries deep in the Amazon jungle. And we'll get right into that. Yes, we will. The expeditions and the stuff that he does is quite amazing. So let's hop right into it. All right, now we're going to get into Percy Fawcett's expeditions. Now, in order to be an explorer, obviously you have to do some exploring. And Percy Fawcett did his fair share. He actually went on a total of, I believe, nine expeditions. And we're going to talk about some of his most famous ones, including Velocity of Z. Yeah, so it wasn't an expedition, so to say, but it was a theory, this idea of the Lost City of Z, and there's a book based off it by the same name, Lost City of Z by David Graham, which is a, a read I recommend to you guys, but like like Ian was saying, he 
went on, I think it was around nine expeditions. It could have been more. It could have been less. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But uh, obviously to South America, to the Amazon jungle. And uh, his first expedition and expedition to South America ended up being in 1906. And this was when he was at the age of 39. And he ended up traveling to Brazil to map a jungle area at the border of Brazil and Bolivia at the behest of the Royal Geographical Society, which uh, he already had family ties to. And because of it, the society ended up commissioning him to map the area as a third party unbiased by local national interests. And then uh, he ended up arriving in Bolivia in June. While on this expedition in 1907, Fawcett claimed to have seen and shot a 62 foot long giant anaconda. And uh, a claim for which he was ridiculed by scientists. And then he also went on to report other mysterious animals, such as a small cat-like dog and the giant apakazuka spider, which till then was unknown by zoology. Dang. So, he, was, he was doing the scientist's work as well. Yeah. Well, like every explorer, uh, you end up covering a multitude of fields. And uh, one of them was zoology, which he ended up making a, a ton of different discoveries till then, which were unknown. And then and this, a, you can go. Sorry, did you say a 62 foot long anaconda? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. That's that what, the, that, that's what he claimed, but uh, we don't know scientifically for sure. But I, it was definitely romanticized because... Again, this was an area that was unknown, so it was almost like the American West during the during the Great Expansion there, where uh, they knew little about the area, and so a lot of it was often romanticized. So it could be real, but it, most likely it's uh, exaggerated. But the fact that he did this in general proves uh, proves just how crazy this guy was as an explorer to be able to go out in the middle of a place where nobody else has been and see animals like this and uh, meet natives and eventually go on to do what he's known for. It was such a different time back then. Like you don't really see uh, mapping out areas, unknown areas uh, as a job today, because pretty much all of the, most of the world has been explored by, right, by now. Yeah. There's very few areas left that are undiscovered on earth at least. And uh, Percy Fawcett was uh, one of those reasons. And uh, he was uh, one of the last great explorers of his time. And because of his uh, cartography skills and because of all these expeditions he went on, uh, we've learned a lot about the Amazon jungle as a whole. So was Percy Fawcett, he said he was the, was the first person to ever explore the... Amazon? He wasn't technically the first to explore the Amazon, but he was one of the first to make uh, a map. Known scientific discoveries. He was the one, he kept records, detailed records, in, and all the mapping and stuff that he did. Because obviously, before that, there were the, the Portuguese Bondurantes, which we'll actually talk about a little bit later, and the Spanish conquistadors like Francisco Oriana and uh, Pizarro. And uh, I think we touched on Pizarro in the Spanish Conquistadors episode. So, no, he was not the first one. There were tons of different people before him. But he was one of the first to successfully map these areas and to provide detailed descriptions about them. Right, of course. 
It's like uh, it's like the discovery of the New World in a sense that uh, the Vikings ended up arriving there first, but we say that Columbus was the first to do so because he established the first permanent settlement. Right. So eventually, Percy Fawcett would go on to make another seven expeditions, and uh, these were all between 1906 and 1924. And uh, with all these different expeditions, he eventually established a very good relationship with the local natives through uh, gifts that he would give them. And uh, he was also known for his patience and his very very courteous behavior with them. So uh, a lot different than the Spanish conquistadors who we were just touching on. He ended up making good connections with these natives. And uh, he would actually go on to trust them maybe a lot more than uh, he should have. And uh, that's at least what some people claim. Because uh, there were times where he would go into the jungle with uh, very minimal supplies and then would claim later that, oh, he'll be taken care of by the natives. <laughs> I mean, so these were natives of the Amazon? Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty, pretty harsh environment to be native to. I wonder how these guys survived. Yeah, it's amazing. And so you got to wonder then how Fawcett got this idea that there could be a great civilization in the midst of this jungle. He met all these remote tribes. And so uh, maybe meeting these remote tribes influenced him in thinking that if they're able to live out here, maybe there was a great civilization at some point that these natives all came from. Yeah. Uh, like anything, it's with any unknown area, there's always claims and, uh, and whatnot as to what could have been there, um, what the area was like. And like anything, it changes over time. But, uh, that's I, I think that's pretty much where he got his theory from was these actual Native American tribes that he would run into in the Brazilian jungle. So in nineteen oh eight the way they wouldn't really be Native Americans, would they? Yeah, I, I just realized that I got on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Native Brazilians. Yeah. I, I just it's the generic term that everybody uses and I hate myself for just saying that. <laughs> It's all right, all right. <laughs> I'm glad all right, you call that. What are you gonna say? All right. So uh continuing on, in 1908 he would uh he would actually trace the source of the Rio Verde River in Brazil, and then in 1910 he made a discovery and uh this was during a journey to the Heath River on the border between Peru and Bolivia to find its source. And uh the discovery was he ended actually ended up finding the source of these two rivers. So, so this was on his journey mapping it as well? Yeah. So of the nine expeditions that we've talked about, a lot of it was for cartography. Again, Brazil and Bolivia were having this conflict, and so they used the Royal Geographical Society as almost a third party to, uh, to break the dispute and to uh, essentially have an unbiased map of the area. So this area was um, wasn't owned by either side, was it? No, it was right on the border, and so that's why it was even more important for them to map it to figure out which side was which. I see. So they so they they did own parts of it, but he was uh, mapping it in order to find which uh, territories were to which uh, uh, to which belonged to which territories. Yeah, obviously to. Uh, that show detailed maps of the area, the terrain, the geography, but then also to uh, help create the political dis 
political borders because the two countries were in dispute. Right. <laughs> and then kind of touching on uh, some of the stuff that we talked about with his military career, uh, he eventually would retire after a very colorful career with the British Army on January 19th, and then he would eventually go on to work full-time going on these expeditions to the jungle. After an expedition in 1913, he even claimed to have seen dogs with double noses, although they were likely the double-nosed Indian tiger hounds. So uh, he ended up quitting the British Army, and uh, he goes full-time on these expeditions, and it really becomes his obsession. And uh, that's a kind of a reference back to the quote that we mentioned in the beginning, that tiny voice that was calling to him and it persisted until he could ignore it no longer. It was like a, it was a obsession of his to figure out what was in this area. And uh, if these natives could have had some great civilization, it, it, it was very much his, uh, his obsession. That was driving factor. So, <clears throat> Is there? I'm. I'm just curious. Is there a place that uh that uh, lists all the the species he discovered? What do you mean? Is like, there like is there a, a list? I, like a website I can go to that that lists all the the species that he discovered. I'm sure there's something, but I I'm not sure where you would find that. Yeah, but I'm just kind of just uh, interested because like uh, the, I like a lot of these species I hadn't even heard of before. Oh yeah, like no, the zoo zoology hounds. is crazy. <laughs> yeah, the zoology that he ends up uh, discovering is crazy. All these different organisms and animals that were uh, obviously since then unknown. Yeah. I mean, what, what a good, what a great life to live. You're just finding these new creatures. I mean, obviously, it's probably scary as well because he doesn't know if they're dangerous or not. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But uh, even with all these discoveries, uh, because, well, I should say because of all these discoveries, he would even go on to uh, influence books like the, um, I'm forgetting the name now, of course. Uh, the Lost World by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, which was uh, a book that said that there were dinosaurs somewhere lost in the Amazon or uh, lost somewhere in this unknown jungle. And uh, with all these crazy animals, uh, a lot of people started writing adventure novels and uh, science fiction novels that were based off of some of the discoveries that he actually made. Wow. Yep. So... By 1914, Fawcett would go on to formulate his idea about the lost city that he named Zed, or uh, the lost city of Z. You know, he predicted that this was somewhere in the Mato Grosso region in Brazil. He theorized that a complex civilization once, once existed in the Amazon region and that isolated ruins may have even survived. This idea was developed from a document Fawcett supposedly found known as Manuscript 512, written after explorations in the state of Bahia. I think that's how you say that. <laughs> oh, that's closer than what I'll be able to do. So he uh, believed a complex civilization uh, existed in the Amazon region, and uh, did he did he have a theory as to to what time time zone uh, as to what time it may have existed? Well, like I said, he based this off manuscript five twelve, and the manuscript five twelve itself dates back to the seventeen fifties, so at least around or before then. 
because that's when the manuscript was there. That's when he... Uh, so essentially the document was written by a bunch of Portuguese banderantes, which were like the equivalent of Spanish conquistadors. And uh, they theorized that there was a theory as well, that there was a, a city lost in the jungle as well. And uh, they actually reported some ruins that they found. And so a lot of Fawcett's theories were based off of this idea. And so since the document itself dates to the 1750s and the explorers found a, uh, found the city around that same time it's older than the 1750s at least well so do you believe that there could be more runes hidden in the amazon do you believe that we have, there's enough of the amazon left to be discovered that there could be an entire civilization still hidden there well during this same time you have to take in mind there was another explorer and his name was Hiram Bingham and uh, I probably should have well, I should have probably put him in this episode as well as with Percy Fawcett because both of them they were uh, they were competitors essentially. And if you guys don't know, Hiram Bingham actually ended up going on to discover going on not talk tonight. I'm so I'm sorry. He eventually went on to discover your Machu Picchu, which was a lost city in the jungle up high in these Andean mountains. So if Hiram Bingham found Machu Picchu, I don't think it's far off that other cities like it could have existed somewhere else. Wow. Yeah, and so uh, you can also probably imagine that uh, Percy Fawcett was a little jealous when Hiram Bingham found uh, found Machu Picchu. I mean, who wouldn't be? <laughs> but Machu Picchu, uh, do you believe, do you think that maybe Machu Picchu was maybe an extension of the civilization that they are talking about in, uh, what was it, manuscript 514, 512? 512. Um, no, I, Machu Picchu, I think it's, yeah, no, Machu Picchu is an extension of the Incan Empire. I think manuscript 512 and a, a lot of Fawcett's theories are based on something completely separate from any Native American tribe. We already know that exists. That there was a, oh. an unknown, a new tribe that, history has yet to discover that existed somewhere in the Amazon. Oh, wow. And they weren't the and first it, ones to, uh, to come up with, with this theory because uh, talking again about the Spanish conquistadors and the Portuguese Bondurantes who were exploring the same area, uh, Francisco Oriana, who's known for traveling the entire length of the Amazon river, supposedly claimed that he himself had found one of these lost tribes. And uh, that's actually what the river Amazon's named for. They, it was this group of women that he had supposedly found uh, this group of native American women that he called the Amazons. And it was based off a Greek legend that he claimed that he ended up finding in real life. Wow. But he had no, he had no evidence of this at the time, right? Well, he, he claims to have discovered it, yes. But uh, any evidence that what he said was true has yet to be found. Yeah. So if you can trust that's him, still, then... <laughs> but that's still very interesting, though. Mm -hmm. So these actual tribes are... Uh, all right, no, I should say... The claims, there's there's abundance of claims, and if there's the tribes, 
Uh, just take a deep breath. <laughs> All right. Sorry about the stutter, but uh, pretty much what I was trying to say is that if there's an abundance of theories, then there's got to be a reason for it. Just like uh, the idea that there's a, a ton of different theories about Bigfoot. And uh, even though there's a ton of different theories about Bigfoot, it may not to be the Bigfoot that a lot of folklore has established. Obviously very off topic, but it has the same, uh, the same, the same uh, idea. It, like it, a lot of different sightings, a lot of different uh, theories, a lot of people saying the same thing. Like there's got to be a connection there. There's got to be a, uh, origin behind it yeah exactly and i think it very much connects to uh to mythology if so many different ancient cultures developed ideas about mythology then there's got to be a reason for it there's got to be a common underlying theme that connects them all because they're all based roughly on the same idea just different concepts exactly and so connecting so it's very well possible that this city could have existed yeah with all the Portuguese accounts and the Spanish accounts, Oriana, Pizarro, all these different accounts, uh, maybe Fawcett wasn't too far off. Maybe there was actually a lost city. And especially with Hiram Bingham's discovery, it's uh, it's not too far off. And so I, I do want to get into Manuscript 512 now. And so uh, Manuscript 512 was essentially the document that was believed to have been written by a Portuguese Bondurantes expedition, which are again essentially the specific, essentially the equivalent of Spanish conquistadors. And this mission was led by Huo. I know Ian, help me with the Spanish or it's technically Portuguese, but they're similar. Huo de Silva Guimarães. Uh, All right. this, this might take me a while. The accent over the A is uh, kind of unfamiliar to me. But yeah, I think it's it's either Hao or Heo or Heo da Silva Guimarães. Guimarães? Yeah, Guimarães. All right, either way, something like that. <laughs> he wrote that in 1753, they had discovered the ruins of an ancient city that contained arches, a statue, and a temple with hieroglyphs. And uh, the city is described in great detail without providing a specific location. And uh, it essentially became a secondary destination for Fawcett after the, after Zed, or the lost city of Z. So, going, going back, you, you mentioned that uh, Percy Fawcett might have trusted these tribes a bit too much. Yeah, it's very possible. So what exactly did you mean by that? I'm saying that uh, uh, there's at least theories, and uh, that's I'm, I'm saying theories because I don't want to put my opinion on any one of these as fact, because they, they're, they're exactly what they are. They're theories. But there was a theory, supposedly, that uh, during one of Fawcett's expeditions, uh, Fawcett's son had gotten uh, too friendly with one of the native girls or something, and then uh, because of that, the the chief got mad at them, and then uh, during the same time, Percy Fawcett was demanding from the chief to give him boats and uh, supplies and ammunitions and stuff. And uh, with all these concepts and these added factors, maybe he was supposedly killed by this tribe. Oh, no. 
And so that's what I mean by getting too friendly. Yeah. I mean, these tribes, although they are, they, they might be inherently friendly. They are still, um, not, not very un, uh, connected with the outside world and they have their own way of doing things and if you step online it might just be you're done yeah exactly you gotta remember these tribes are very isolated and so any modern technology or uh or people from different parts of the world are going to be a very shocking thing for them so it's very plausible that maybe they did end up uh killing him yeah and uh, I like that that this city mentioned in 512 isn't the actual city that Fawcett's going for again, but it's a secondary destination for Fawcett after the after Z. So it was his way of pretty much saying that I'm going to find Z and then I'm going to go and find another city. <laughs> but he never ended up completing uh, his... Uh... Yep. His uh, expedition, I guess. <laughs> so, this manuscript was like the basis for his theory surrounding the lost city of Zed. Again, it, his it was his way of saying that uh, if the Portuguese had mentioned a city of similar structure, why couldn't there be a a city in the same area where he was looking? It's true. And so, uh, again, like Ian said, with all that, uh, he actually didn't go on to discover Z. Or maybe he did, and we don't know. But either way, we may never know because he did end up getting lost and he disappeared and nobody's been able to figure out why today. So I do want to get into that. And we never found his uh, body either. So yep. maybe he ended up uh, living longer, but we never saw him again, so... Yep, so let's jump right into his disappearance. Now we're going to hop right into the actual disappearance of uh, Percy Fawcett. And there's many different theories. Maybe he was, like we were saying, too friendly with the tribes. Maybe he ended up actually finding the city and ended up uh, dying in a related way, maybe to a trap. Or maybe he ended up uh, actually discovering it and uh, spending a lot of time there. Who knows? Let's uh, get right into it. Yeah, very much almost like a, an Indiana Jones type, type scenario. And uh, I find it interesting that uh, Percy Fawcett could have been known for all of these different things that he did, uh, his colorful history with the British military, these expeditions. But I think truly what he's really known for is his disappearance, which, uh, it's, which is interesting, and, and to say the least. And so the last trip that he took was in April 1925. And uh, this expedition was funded by a London-based group of financiers known as the Glove. Just simply as a glove. That, that's kind of sketchy. I don't know if I'd finance my mission from a group like that. But, you know, wherever you get your money from. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, so who are you guys? The Glove. <laughs> We are the glove, and we want you to map. <laughs> maybe maybe that's the true theory. Maybe the glove took him out because he didn't map correctly. Yeah. Uh, Fawcett returned to Brazil on what would have been his final expedition with his eldest son, Jack, and his best friend, Raleigh Rimmel. 
And uh, this was for an expedition to find the lost city of Zed or Z. And uh, Fossa left instructions stating that if the expedition did not return, no rescue expedition should be sent lest the rescuers suffer his fate. Oh, so he ha so he had uh, an inclination that maybe he wouldn't return. Yeah, it, it's almost like he's saying that he's not going to return, and so it makes you wonder uh, that there's a reason that he said this. Maybe he knew that he wasn't going to return. Maybe he knew he could find the city, and maybe he was going to spend the rest of his life there. But either the case, it's it almost looks like he knew that he was going to disappear, and so that's why he told them that it's too dangerous, and he didn't want anybody to follow after him. That's true. That's uh that's that's very suspicious. Like <clears throat> obviously maybe he knew that it was super dangerous, but obviously yeah. he knew something was up. He knew something was probably gonna happen. I mean, in a natural sense, I think any other explorer would have said if that said that if they were gonna die, they would be fine with the risk to save their lives no matter the cost. But in this case, Percy Fawcett is almost saying that he doesn't want anybody to follow him, and it almost seems like for a suspicious reason. That's, yeah. So the last communication with the expedition was on May 29th, and this was through a letter to his wife delivered by a Native American, or I almost said Native American, God, freaking, uh, delivered by a Native runner. And uh, it said that essentially that he was ready to go into unexplored territory with only Jack and Malay, his sons. And uh, they were reported to be crossing the upper Zingu, a southeastern tributary river of the Amazon. And then his final letter was written from Dead Horse Camp, which gave their location and was generally optimistic. Dead Horse Camp. Yeah. So the, the whole name behind Dead Horse Camp is... Uh, on one of his previous expeditions, his horse had died there, and so he nicknamed the area Dead Horse Camp. Oh, that's sad. <coughs> Sorry. No, it's good. So, this was you were saying this was his last communication uh, of the expedition, and you said it was generally optimistic? Yeah. And I find it interesting because it is the last communication. So it, it doesn't seem like there's any signs that he was going to die in any means because he was optimistic. You, you think that his last communication, if he was going to die, it would be something tragic, like that he wasn't going to make it back or something. But this one's very optimistic. And the fact that it's his last communication and they get something and they get nothing after that, but yet it's optimistic, seems very weird. It's almost like, it was a good thing that they were disappearing. Yeah, or maybe maybe this was uh, maybe this points to the fact that he had no no uh, no real no real he felt he, he felt no real threat is what I meant to say. Maybe he felt no real threat, and maybe that's why he ended up disappearing because he underestimated either the natives or his destination or his journey. Yeah, I think that's a very good idea, too. Maybe he was too optimistic, and so that's why it was his last communication. He had too much trust in the natural environment or the Native or the Indian tribes. Gosh, I keep wanting to say Native American. 
I mean, generally, being from the U.S., the Native Americans is, are going to be uh, yeah what we're most most uh, familiar with. All right, so many people assumed that local Indians had killed them, and several tribes were nearby at the time. The Kalapaglos was one of the tribes, and it was supported, and it was... God, I can't talk. I'm sorry. Reportedly. It was reported, thank you, that they may have seen him, and uh, there was another tribe, the Aryumas and the Sur- and the Suyas. I don't know how to pronounce these names very well. And uh, the Oxavantes. Oh, God, I don't like these names. Exavantes? Excavantes, I don't know. Whose territory they were entering. According to explorer John Hemming, Fawcett's party of three was too few to survive in the jungle and his his expectations that his Indian host would look after them and, uh, God, that his Indian host would look after him was likely to have antagonized them by failing to bring any gifts to repay their generosity. So again, it almost seems like he was getting too friendly with the natives. And that's so kind of, this was the this was the general uh, theory by the people. At least explorer John Hemming, and um, he may have had a populist influence. He was uh, another explorer at the time that made that theory that he could have been too friendly with the natives, and maybe that's how he died. Yeah. So was John Hem so was John Hemming also uh exploring the Amazon uh, around the same time? Jeez, you know I'm I'm not sure. I know he was uh I know he was an explorer during the time. <laughs> or wait. No, actually I just looked his name up. He's actually an explorer today. Uh, John Hemmings is a historian and, and explorer, expert based on Incan and indigenous peoples of the Amazon River Basin. So this is a modern theory that maybe he got too close to the natives. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually never heard of John Hemmings before, but now I know. And it looks like he's written several books, so I'll have to go check those out. Yeah. I do like the idea that uh that he could have gotten too friendly with the natives because like I said before, uh he would go on expeditions with very minimal supplies and then would immediately expect that, oh, I'll be fine just because uh I, I'm friends with these natives, they'll take care of me. And these two theories yeah. are very opposite too, if you look at them. The one says that uh oh he lived on and you didn't want anybody to uh to find him. And that uh, he didn't get p- killed by anything. And then the other one's like, oh, he did get killed by these Native Americans tribes. And uh, there's nothing you could do about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, what could you do? I mean, it's a whole tribe versus one guy. Well, yeah, there's two younger sons. But, yeah, there's not much they could have done. Yeah. <laughs> Fawcett's mind before Fawcett. he dies. I took down a 62-foot-long anaconda. I'm not afraid of you guys. <laughs> I mean, and, and these tribes weren't like any other tribes because they had to survive these harsh environments. They probably were like pretty good warriors or pretty good survivors, at least. Oh yeah, to the face an environment like that, you, I'm sure you had to be. Yeah. 
All right. So that. So you were saying. Yeah, sorry. You can go. <laughs> no, I was just gonna lead you in. I was gonna say you were saying that Dead Horse Camp was their uh, last location where uh, he was reported to have communicated. Yeah, and then again, that was him writing to his wife, and uh, in that he said that you need have no fear of any failure, and then he gave her their coordinates when uh, he gave his wife the coordinates were eleven degrees forty six minutes or sorry forty. Three minutes south, and then fifty-four degrees, thirty-five minutes west, and uh, nobody go there because uh, <laughs> some middle of the Amazon. <laughs> and uh, this, no, this is where it gets, it's, gets interesting, though, because those are the coordinates he sent to his wife. But yet, in a report to the press, he gave the coordinates as thirteen degrees, forty-three minutes south, fifty-four degrees, thirty-five minutes west. So these are very different coordinates, and I ended up looking them up on Google Maps, and they're quite a few miles apart from each other. <laughs> Maybe he was having trouble uh, recognizing his coordinates, or yeah, this could this could lead to many different theories. Like, yeah. what if he got lost, and maybe that's how he disappeared because he was having trouble finding where he was. Yeah, it could have been in topographical error, and he could have. Uh, could have messed up on his map making and then ultimately got lost and uh, that's how he died or maybe he purposely gave the wrong coordinates to conceal a location of maybe the lost city of zed or something that he didn't want to be found and uh it was his way of preventing others from using his notes to find the lost city you know just so as you, like the movie aspect i like that idea more but <laughs> i mean yeah of course that's very much more interesting but do you believe that um either of these do you believe like he would trust his wife with the real coordinates as to, to his location or do you believe both of these were fake now you know that's like <laughs> that's the great question with this whole mystery i think is uh what's what's right from wrong uh which coordinates are the correct coordinates what actually happened to him uh there's so many different theories that it's really it's hard to tell because uh, in, in one aspect, you could think that, oh, he gave his wife the right coordinates because maybe he trusted her more, being his wife, or being her husband, but then gave the press the, gave the press the wrong coordinates so they wouldn't find it. Or maybe they gave the press the right, the right coordinates and, uh, in hopes that they could promote uh, speculation or create excitement that they were near something or whatever, and then gave his wife the wrong coordinates to uh, protect her or something. It's it's a great mystery. Yeah. Personally, I like to think that if any of the coordinates are right, that he would have given his wife the right ones and the press the wrong ones. Or maybe he gave the press the ones where he was going to be. And that he was actually moving south yeah. from the one that he gave his wife and then gave the reporters the the other one in hopes that he would be at that location by the time they ended up getting it out to the press. Yeah. And all very, very plausible theories. Yeah. So in, in actuality, we, re we really don't know what happened. But honestly, whatever happened still to this day, nobody knows what happened to the expedition. If they lived on or found the lost city of Z, Fawcett had dedicated his life to find, or even if they had been attacked and killed by Native American tribes, natives, sorry, uh, natives for being invaders to the land. 
And uh, several teams of scholars and archaeologists have tried and failed to answer this question. And still to this day, nobody knows what happened. Thanks. So it makes you wonder for sure. Until Jacob Dean came along. <laughs> Find me out to the Amazon basin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go find Percy Fawcett. Let's go right now. <laughs> Watch. It's going to be like a movie. He's going to be uh, like a skeleton on a golden column in the middle of El Dorado or something. Yeah, he actually did find it, and he just spent the rest of his life there. That would be the coolest thing. Yeah. All right. And then uh, I touched on the scholars and archaeologists who have tried and failed to answer this question. So I want to wrap that into the pop culture and legacy, because a lot of those scholars and archaeologists have also influenced the popular culture with uh, this story about Percy Fawcett. So let's hop right into that. Now, as you could imagine, with Percy Fawcett being as famous as he was and, and having such an uh, a sudden disappearance, you could imagine that it would influence the popular culture and uh, leave behind a good legacy. Yeah. So really, regardless of whatever happened in Percy Fawcett, he would eventually go down in history and in popular culture, both during his time and actually after, as one of the world's greatest explorers. Uh, most notably, he became friends with authors Sir Henry Haggard and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle during his lifetime, the latter of which used Fawcett's Amazonian field reports as an inspiration for the novel The, Lo the, sorry, the Lost World, which was a science fiction novel published in 1912. The Lost World concerned an expedition to a plateau in the Amazon basin of South America where prehistoric animals still survive. So you can see the influence from Percy Fawcett there. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, topic. Again, we were talking about the romance of the of the unknown. This is uh, this is one of those stories of the romance. This is how it, it shines through. Uh, these beautiful descriptions of these different areas in the, the Amazon River Basin uh, ended up being an influence for novels like The Lost World. And uh, if you guys have ever seen uh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic yeah, Park was actually heavily Park. based on The Lost World. The Lost World was originally a book, but the Jurassic Park kind of stole the idea and put it in their uh, in their film and book series. But yeah, like you were saying, like the possibility of dinosaurs being still alive in uh, the Amazon. I mean, that's such a such an awesome like theory. But well, just so much was unknown about the area. Yeah. Maybe, no, that's the true theory of what happened to him. He got <laughs> eaten by a dinosaur. He got eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> yep, there. We solved it. All right. Where's my, uh, where's my uh, award? <laughs> well, again, the romance, the unknown, the, the superstitions surrounding the surrounding the unknown and especially the Amazon river basin, which Percy Fawcett was looking for, uh, would develop such stories like this. And, uh, the idea would make him very popular and really cement him in history. But exactly. 
But besides the books, there are also several newspaper articles, both during his lifetime and today, that have been published that cover various aspects of his story and the explorations that he went on. He was even known to have taken detailed notes and journal entries that have since been formed into the book Exploration Fawcett. And uh, actually, Exploration Fawcett was really published by his son based off of Percy's notes. And so, in a way, he almost wrote his own book, too. And uh, I actually have it over here. That's a good read, too. That's almost like the companion read to uh, the book The Lost City of Z, which is another tale of deadly obsession in the Amazon by American author David Gran. And uh, it pretty much presents the same story and was published in 2009 and recounts the activities of the British explorer and has since been turned into a major motion picture under the same name. David Gran even went on to fund an expedition that went to try and find Percy Fawcett. Uh, unfortunately unsuccessful. Yep, still no idea where he is today. But uh, both of these books, Exploration Fawcett and The Lost City Z, if you guys want more uh, want more facts on this story and you want to learn more about it, uh, those two books are definitely the ones to go to. And uh, The Exploration's Fawcett is very much the companion of The Lost City of Z and vice versa. So if you read one, you almost have to read the other. They go hand in hand. But if you're not a book guy, they do have the movie, and the movie wasn't too bad either. And uh, I'm pretty sure they used uh, Tom Holland was uh, one of Percy Fawcett's sons. I forget which one he played, but. And so uh, even till today, his legacy really has lived on and uh, all these different crazy stories and uh, accounts that he brought back and the ones that he even didn't that have created superstition and questions about what to act, what actually happened to him have really cemented him in history and put him up there with one of, with the world's greatest explorers. Yeah. All right. That's about all I have for uh, Percy Fawcett. And uh, Ian, if you don't have anything to say, we'll jump into the conclusion. Let's hop right into that conclusion. I mean, Percy Fawcett is a great man. All right, we'll wrap this up. And then next week, we'll have another episode on a historical subject. Uh, we'll continue our kind of mini series on different explorers and different people who have uh, made a profound impact on archaeology and uh, just history in general. But, uh, other than that, as usual, I'd like to give a shout out to those of you guys who have been following us uh, on our Anchor, our podcasting service, and uh, our Facebook page, our Twitter, all of our different social media platforms. And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Anchor as well, our podcasting service. That's been a great miracle in making these episodes, and I really couldn't have done it without it. And uh, if you guys have ever wanted to create your own podcast, this is a great service to do that, and I highly recommend it. And uh, more importantly, I would like to give a shout out to some of you guys as our listeners as we continue to embark on this podcast. And for those of you who have liked and been following the Facebook page, community page, and our Twitter as we continue to grow. And uh, we're going to have many more platforms as well soon. Uh, remember, you can go to our website. I failed to mention that in the beginning, but we do have a website now too where you can find pretty much everything in one place. And uh, getting into some of the new people who have liked the page. Uh, Sam Sieta liked it. Mark Shawcross liked it. Livy Mori and Cassidy Kalfa liked it. 
So uh, thank you to you guys. And uh, on our Facebook page, I am pretty sure we're up to uh, 71 followers. So that's pretty good. And then uh, our Twitter is still continuing to grow, so we don't have that many on our Twitter yet. And uh, some of our other platforms are growing as well. But uh, on Anchor overall, we have uh, 270 total listens. So uh, that's pretty good. And we're also international. So that's that's amazing to see. All right. And uh, unless Ian has anything else to say, uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, I just want to add, it is it is really amazing that some of our listeners aren't from uh, the U.S. Yeah, that, that is crazy to think about. And shout out to all of our international listeners. That is awesome. All yeah, right. it really is. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really have anything else to say. All right. All being said, thanks, guys, and have a nice week. This is Jacob. Ian. All right. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.